We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the 11th day of November, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. <laughs> and I don't know how to explain this, but I'm going to do the best I can. Somewhere between iconic and psychotic, the fan favorite, Marty Foster, and <laughs> the long lost, the long lost founder of this podcast, GP, from the great state of Florida. We will get to GP in just a moment. First of all, Bruce, how are you today? Um, I'm healthy and alive. And before Marty gets a chance, I'm going to point out that you did not call him Lord. So, uh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, I, I certainly did not. Lord Foster, how are you? I'm fair to middling as usual. Delighted that we've got GP with us. And, and of course, um, as usual, pleased to see you two guys. And joining us from the great state of Florida is our very own long lost brother in arms, GP. GP, how are you? You assume I'm lost. Maybe I just don't want to be found. Oh, my gosh. How are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. I'm in a hurricane. You know, I just I love hurricanes so much. I, I, I'm here in Florida for my second one. This is great. You went through the first one and uh, mm. I I was not able to reach you for uh, two weeks almost. Uh, I knew that the phones had gone down down there. Maybe it was about a week. I, I tried to, to to phone in, and then of course uh, I realized that uh, okay, he's got a, a satellite tracker. All right, I'll check that. So I went online <laughs> to check that, and apparently you were still in Los Angeles. And I thought, okay, well maybe he's out in L.A. No, because that was back in the month of May is when the uh, uh, the last tracker was there. So that didn't work. And I thought, okay, well he's he's either doing fine or he's in real trouble. Uh, and finally, when I was able to reach you on the phone, uh, you had told me exactly what had happened. It was a total loss for your house. Uh, and I, yep, I, I don't, uh, I don't know what to say to that. It wasn't, and it, it wasn't like, it wasn't the actual wind or anything like that's, that wasn't the damage. It was the storm surge that took it. Well, the wind did take the roof, but the storm surge just wrecked the house. It did three feet. Of, we treaded three feet of water throughout the house. It was pretty awesome. Not everyone gets to say they swam through their whole house. I can. While dodging crocodiles, I have to say. That's, that's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> very, very lost fish, but no crocodiles. Fortunately, no crocodiles because we're, I mean, we're not really in the crocodile zone, but there are alligators all over the area. It's Florida, Jeep. They could have came by. And alligators are everywhere. Yeah. More like Burmese pythons and iguanas are everywhere. Yes. You know, I was, yes, iguanas, my goodness, pasty man, they're tourists. everywhere. They are, yes, pasty tourists with the <laughs> farmer's stand. Yes. I, uh, I remember uh, spending time down there as a kid. I've got, uh, I've got some family down there and we would always go to those, um, uh, those, those like parks where you can swim in like the open clear water lakes and things that, I mean, beautiful places where you can do like the nature hikes and everything, beautiful places, but there were always park rangers walking around with sidearms on. We could never figure out why. And they would always have like a shotgun strapped across their shoulder as well. And as a kid, you know, I'm, I'm like five, six years old and I'm seeing this and I'm like, you know, Hey, why are, why are you walking around with a gun? And they said, you see right over there where you would see like iron bars and everything. And I said, yeah. I said, that's where alligators are. Don't go over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't say that. that's where alligators are. Can you check to see if there are any? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, anyway. Uh, so I, I, yes, sir. I can, I can only imagine. Don't call me, sir. I work for a living. This, Excellent. um, I, I can only imagine how this conversation is going to go. I thought it was going to be a uh, a rather benign, serious conversation today. And then I saw GP pop in here right when we were getting ready to start. And then I knew at that point in time it was going to be a comedy show. And then, of course, it, it turned out with uh, with GP and Marty in here, we usually don't have a meeting of the minds like this. You know, it's a it's, it's very rare treat for the listeners to get to hear both of you. GP was... Um, 
putting on his own gun show over there, and Marty was putting on his own knife show. Uh, so it's it's been quite an educational uh, prep, I have to say. But uh, Marty, you usually have a um, usually have a notebook that you're working on throughout the week. What would you like to talk about today? And then we can uh, we can just kind of take our cues from you, and we can uh, hop over to GP after that. Well, there's there's so much going on that results in absolutely nothing happening. So I've kept a small eye on on the midterms and I think we're in that situation now or rather you're in the US in that situation now where your government have got every excuse they need to achieve the square root of standby on the beep call because you've got the situation where anything that they try and get through Congress is going to be stopped by one house or the other, and nothing's going to happen. And so it gives them that automatic excuse, oh, it's not our fault, it's because you voted wrong. Uh, same as here in the UK, with our three prime ministers in the space of three months, all the excuse you need for our government to not address any of the, the crises that we are currently facing. So there's that. And there's the fact that Matt Hancock, who is, in my opinion, a schoolboy mass murderer, not that he's murdered lots of schoolboys, but he's the man that ordered all that sleepy Bobo's time drug that was put into the um, the people in care homes during the lockdown. He ordered two years worth and it got used up in a year. And an awful lot of people wind up dying from pneumonia in care homes, which, of course, when you're so sedated, you can't be bothered to breathe or cough. Your lungs fill with fluid. And all of those deaths were written off as COVID deaths. And he's in a reality show. He's in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, uh, a bunch of Z-listers. Uh, and one absolute twant of a politician in the jungle doing bush tucker trials, eating koala scrotum and, and kangaroo penis and um, getting covered in all kinds of bugs and nasty things. I'm just really hoping I've got we've got to finish this relatively early so I can get in and watch it because I, I want to see the moment he gets bit by an eastern brown and, and suffers a, a complete neural shutdown. So that's where I am. I actually I'm saw this funnel web spider. Yeah, for a long time, the funnel web spider is, is what GP is referring to. For a long time, everyone thought they were called the foot because they'd get bitten and they'd run out and say, I've just been bitten by a foot and drop dead. They are so <laughs> toxic. Love those things. So aggressive. I actually saw that Hancock was doing a. Um, uh, a reality show, and I thought it was a joke. I, I saw many headlines on it today. It is a and I joke. Thought, no, but it's yeah. not a joke. It's actually happening. It is a joke, but it's actually happening. Is he down there promoting like climate change and all that garbage while he's on the? You know, he's he's doing that in front of the TV. Well, this is a nice thing. There's a an ex rugby player in there who also married into the royal family, and Hancock, because there's there's also an ITV journalist in there, and she asked him, asked Hancock. Why have you done this? And he says, oh, well, I just want people to see the human side of politicians. Uh, like it's all part of this amnesty bollocks that they're on about, you know, an amnesty for, for lockdowns and COVID and all the rest of it. There, there will be no amnesty. There is no forgiveness. And Mike, the rugby player, to somebody else, you know, on camera, but not within earshot of Hancock, uh, just said... When I heard him explaining why he was in here, all I could hear was BS, BS, BS. Why am I saying BS? Only Bruce says that. It's bullshit. That's what he was saying. He's in there to get the £250,000 that they get paid for doing it. And it's part of this seeing politicians as, as human, maybe, but it's because the rest of us don't trust them anymore. And, you know, they know their reputation is as low as it could possibly get it's lower than a, a snake's belly in a wagon rut that's true that is true uh, both uh, well at least in the u.s you were talking about the midterms both parties in the u.s are equally hated uh by the uh by the people and i can't imagine that the two parties that you have i mean i know you've got more than that you've got four main parties i believe or even five i think um but at least the labor and the the conservatives the the tories they are i think 
equally hated by the uh, the constituency as well. But you mentioned not being able to do anything. Well, your third prime minister in 45 days, uh, Richie Sunak, has said that he's charted a path for the UK. And would you like to hear what it is? Since you say that they're doing nothing. Is it gas from America? No, it is not. Oh, well, we'll come on to that then. But uh, yeah, please do enlighten me. Okay. All right. PNQs, you didn't ask a question. We'll deal with it afterwards. Prime Minister. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, with permission, I'd like to make a statement on COP27, which I attended in Sharm el Sheikh on Monday. When the United Kingdom took on the UK presidency of COP, just one third of the global economy was committed to net zero. Today, that figure is 90%. And the reduction in global emissions pledged during our presidency is now equivalent to the entire annual emission of America. Now, there is still a long way to go to limit global temperature rises to 1.5 degrees, but the historic Glasgow Climate Pact kept that goal within reach. And the whole House, I know, will want to join me in paying tribute to my right honourable friend, the member for Reading West, for his inspirational leadership as COP president. The question at this summit, Mr Speaker, was whether countries would deliver on their promises. I'm pleased to say that our nation will. We have already cut our carbon emissions faster than anyone else in the G7, and we will fulfil our ambitious commitment to reduce emissions by at least 68% by the end of the decade. Now, I know that some have feared Putin's abhorrent war in Ukraine could distract from global efforts to tackle climate change. But I believe it should catalyse them. Climate security and energy security go hand in hand. Putin's contemptible manipulation of energy prices has only reinforced the importance of ending our dependence on fossil fuel. You see, you see, you're talking about inaction. That's action right there. Uh, as, As you know, Rishi Sunak is of Indian descent. His parents were both doctors that emigrated to the UK, worked in the south of England and got rich. And he got rich when he married his wife, who is the daughter of an Indian billionaire. So it's no surprise that on Indian news, on Indian mainstream media, that they are singing out about Rishi Sunak being the prime minister of the United Kingdom. And there was a piece on the other day just a couple of days ago, saying that a deal had been done with Sleepy Joe, I wet myself, where's my ice cream, Biden? And apparently there's a deal to send millions of tonnes of liquid gas across the Atlantic to the UK. And, you know, that's that's great, but we're not hearing about that particular deal on the news. I have to hear it from an Indian channel, and that's how far afield we have to... Um, to, to look these days to get any any kind of idea what's happening in the world because mainstream media simply won't tell you. But all that that he just said there in the House of Parliament is totally insignificant because China still emits more CO2 than the rest of the world put together. So until Xi Jinping and the CCP sign up to these COP agreements, we are wasting our time. And yeah, I, I, I can't applaud his attendance at COP um, because now we've got absolute cockwombles telling us that we need to pay back to developing countries reparations for climate change, as well as the fact that none of us ever owned a slave. We're still supposed to be paying these reparations for slavery as well. All I'm hearing is... Your tax money is never going to go where you want it to go. It's going to go where we are being told by Davos that it should go. Uh, that and that's, that's all I'm hearing. That but I want to shut up now. And I want to hear from GP because we haven't seen him for so long. Yeah, we're going to go to GP <laughs> here in just a second. Did you see who the main sponsor of COP27, you know, the uh, the climate conference that uh, the PM there, he, he mentioned. Did you see who their top sponsor Pfizer? was this year? <laughs> no, that was Bruce's first <laughs> guest too. It was Pfizer. It was Coca-Cola. That was uh, that was their sponsor this year was, uh, was Coca-Cola. Do you, I, don't, I don't understand. Really? Coca-Cola? 
Yeah, it was Coca-Cola. Wow. I can't believe people would sell out that way so quickly. I can't, I can't believe GP <laughs> got to turn it so you get the label right in front of the camera. Yeah. As you take a drink, it's I mean, got to be like twisted like, right on, to you. Yeah. But that's, that's full fat. That's full strength Coca-Cola. Delicious. Yeah, I know. I know. But I, I have to stick to the, to the Coke Zero these days. Oh, I can't. Uh, anyway. I can't drink that. But go ahead. Anyway, so let's get let's, back uh, to serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So over to yeah. He says serious. The the comedy hour kicks off, and he says let's get serious. <laughs> so all right, GP, what what do you got? What's what's been on uh, what's been on your radar? You know, all right. I tell you what. Let's because we were talking about this a little bit in prep. Let's talk about this. It, Marty mentioned the uh, the deal of the U.S. energy that's that's going to Europe, but yet we're hearing oh. that the U.S. is having a diesel shortage. You're saying that that's not entirely true. Oh, correct. It's not entirely true. It's just okay, the reserve explain. has just shortened. Yeah, ex- explain it. Because we're still producing. We're still producing as much diesel as we did before. That's not changed. In fact, we've ramped. We've actually producing a little bit more. But our reserve has just shortened. We're giving up our reserves. We're sending them overseas. We're that's all it is. But we're still producing enough diesel to handle everything. But there's been places that have not had diesel. You know, some of the truck stops. We've known that. We've seen it. But that's just a supply chain issue more so than that's. You know, the you know, the movement of the the fuel from point point A to point B instead of um, they're not being fueled to give. There's new regulations against truckers preventing them from moving things. There's so much going on. And also a lot of truckers are, you know, this happens on the road. A trucker is going down the way. He's a pot smoker. He gets popped on a, uh, you know, and he happens to be driving a, you know, fuel tank of, you know, he's doing tons of fuel. Pot gets popped on a drug test. He's not driving. That gets impounded. It doesn't go to its destination. So it what happens locked up to for a while. There's so many. It, well, it just gets locked up for until they get another driver, and they get somebody oh, else hooks up to it and brings it over. Oh, yeah. I see. But it's still a delay. It's still a delay. And more and more things are like that are happening. They're also calling out trucks for simple violations that 10 years ago, they wouldn't even think about, you know, taking a truck out of service. But now they're like, oh, you know how close that tire is to the four thirty seconds of an inch marks? It's, it's, it seems like it's there. So we're taking you out of service. And you're like, I've got the measurements right here. Well, are you really seeing it the way it is? Because that the DOT officer is saying that's what I see, and we're taking you out of service. That sounds like so you Bruce's gotta be favorite. Out of service. Yeah, that sounds like Bruce's favorite uh, government bureaucracy at work, doesn't it, Bruce? It is. Yes, the that that is um, the government's efficiency at work, and uh, I, I hate it. It was funny that today was the first time they've shown on mainstream media news channels here in the UK police actually stopping uh the stop oil protesters all the other media that we've seen all the other what's the word footage is the police standing there doing nothing and actually arresting the people who have got out of their cars and dragged those mealy mouth mother those protesters out of the way but today they showed police on the M25, which is the main highway that goes right the way around London, trying to stop these these fools climbing onto the gantries to, to cause disruption. So uh, we're, we're getting, you know, I think they sensed that people were getting to the point where they were totally fed up with it. Same with those bureaucratic truck stops that stop the flow of of, of produce and, and commodities. People in the UK were getting fed up with this stop oil mob to the point where if the police are going to do nothing, the people will. And that is the last thing that they want is the people to mobilise against those kind of protests. So um, they've started to, to, to show the a little bit of police intervention to stop them from protesting in the first place. I'm glad you brought that up. We were actually looking at some video last night of one of the protesters and uh, that, that were out there on one of the gantries of uh, the M25. You see, Marty, I, I think you're just you're, you're misunderstanding what these people are trying to do. You see, they are out there fighting for a future, right? That, that's what they're doing. We've ignored what's been going on for far too long. They're, they're out there fighting. They're, they're freedom fighters. And I, I, I just don't think that you're seeing the bigger picture here. I mean, that, like that's my takeaway from your response. Well, my takeaway is normally sweet and sour chicken balls, a pork chow mein, and have special <laughs> fried rice. But it mm. does sound good, doesn't it? <laughs> but I'm asking those protesters, are they wearing shoes? Uh, of course yes, they're wearing matter shoes. Fact, they're, they're wearing are they shoes. made from petroleum? Are they made from yes. petroleum? Yes. Every, everything yeah. they're wearing. What, what about their clothes? They yes. wouldn't be using cell phones, would they? 
Everything yes. about the image that oh, you put up there, so John, screams synthetic. Everything. Well, no, hold, on, hold on. Well, I, now, they no. need to come out there without anything made from petroleum products. They need to come don't, out there. <laughs> yeah, don't just take. Don't just take it by. Don't judge a book by its cover. Listen to what this concerned lady has to say. Listen. I'm Jay. Uh, she got blue hair. I'm 56. I'm visually impaired, and I'm scared of heights. I'm here between Junction 10 and 11 of the M25 on a gantry, and I'm terrified. So why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I'm more terrified. Look, if we don't stop new oil and gas, we're on the blink, the brink of climate catastrophe, runaway climate change, the collapse of human civilization, and the loss of everything we love. And I can't stand by and let it happen. And our government has failed as they want to license over 100 new oil and gas projects, which is a death sentence for people in East Africa, for people in Pakistan and Bangladesh, for, for people in the Pacific Island states, where thousands of people died in Europe just from a heat wave this summer. But the worst drought in 500 years is affecting everybody everywhere and it's going to get worse so much more quickly. And we hear these fine words from our latest Prime Minister saying, yeah, it's important, we need to do stuff. The time for words is over. We will stop uh, the, the time for her words is over. When you say that you are old bag stop, up, please, mate. You- Thank yes, you very much. That was, oh, man. <laughs> that was making that me awful. absolutely homicidal. That's what Bruce said. Uh, I was going to be mostly yeah. peaceful and take care of that. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. I'm the same age as that woman. You weren't out there with her. No. I know. Why, I'm why shocked. On earth wasn't I, why, why on earth wasn't I out there with her? It, it's because she has bought hook, line, and sinker. She swallowed the narrative hook, line, and sinker. Uh, and that's that's the problem. It's the narrative everyone's being fed. It's not the whole truth. It's bits of truth. It's the old shit sandwich again. A couple of bits of truth with the crappy bit in the middle that is motivating these people and scaring these people. If we're not being scared by you're going to freeze to death and starve to death because of supply chain problems, um, it's you're going to die from some nasty virus or or now the the planet is just going to kill us. Well, I've had a couple of discussions this week with individuals that I'm trying to wake up, and they've basically said to me, we don't care. We can't cope with knowing the truth, so we'd rather just play along the way things are. And the only way we're going to defeat people like Stop Oil and what's the other mob? Extinction Rebellion. Extinction, Extinction Rebellion is by getting the real facts out there to them. But that's the hardest part is getting those real facts out there to them. And and even then, most of them won't actually wake up. They'll they'll just think that what they're being told by alternative means is is the lie and that the narrative that's being pushed forward is the truth. So we've got a real fight on our hands. Yeah, she's talking about, and just if you go by the his screaming hysterics of it all, which I, whatever, but uh, she's talking about how it's going to be a death sentence for those that are in Bangladesh and Pakistan and East Africa and all the rest of it. That wasn't the only person. They're hitting this from all angles. This is a multi-pronged attack that they're performing here. What's that Sky News lady that you don't like very much? Uh, what's what's her name? Kay something or other? Burley. Burley. Kay Burley. Yes. Burley. Yeah, yeah, she had a guest on. Yeah, yeah, she had a guest on the other night uh, who was a a climate. Ju- excuse me, not a climate. Well, you might as well be that uh, an environmental journalist, and she's talking about how climate migration needs to be our main focus. I've been covering climate change for more than a decade, and although we've heard a lot about mitigation, the idea that we need to reduce our carbon emissions, which absolutely we do, and much faster, we also need to adapt to the climate change that's already happening. Mm. But what nobody is talking about is that there are large parts of the world, home to large populations, where people increasingly will not be able to adapt. They're going to have to move. We're already seeing um, unprecedented uh, climate migration. It's going to only increase. And nobody's talking about this. It's not on the agenda at COP27. And the entire narrative really around uh, migration needs to change. Um, I think everybody realises our systems are broken. 
No, I'll tell you what they did. They broke the supply chains with the COVID lockdowns. They started this little nonsensical uh, conflict over in the middle of Ukraine that we're sending arms and money to. They stopped the shipments of grain coming out of Ukraine that go to these areas, but they're calling it climate change. Well, you've also got the situation in in the southern African countries like Zimbabwe, South Africa itself, uh, Botswana. You've got these places where there used to be good farming. There used to be good farming. There is no longer good farming because the land has been seized by the governments, handed over from white African farmers to black African farmers. Well, they're not even farmers. They are just having been given the land are now failing to produce crops. And whether there's there's a, a, a wrong to right there about the length of time they were under apartheid, about the privilege of the white people in South Africa, but at the end of the day, it was those white farmers who were feeding much of the continent. And because they've been dispossessed of their farms and those farms are now being badly run, there is a shortage of food. So those grain shipments were absolutely necessary. I mean, back in the in, in the day throughout the 40s and 50s, through the 60s and 70s, America gave away millions of tons of grain to the Soviet Union because if they started to get hungry, they would have to go on a war footing and work their way to the Western seaboard within 28 days. Um, Which is just what to China feed is yeah. in the process of having to be like they're they're literally the policies that the Biden administration are taking now is literally causing China to want to lash out. And I've lived in a country that is sand. There is just sand, but it's surrounded by water. And Africa has got plenty of coastline. If they're low on water, the desalination plants need to be built to provide fresh water inland. The billions and billions of money, charity money that every year we've raised for Africa and sent to Africa, it gets spent in the wrong places. They're corrupt governments. What's the word? Um, embezzle the money, basically. And none of the improvements that are supposed to have happened to Africa ever materialized. And you've actually then, been down there. Just on that yeah. point, I don't want to gloss over it. You've actually been down there and you've watched them unload the World Food Program food shipments off the ships. Yeah, and it goes straight right into, the, into the hands of local warlords. This was in Somalia straight into the hands of local warlords who then distribute the food to the people that they want to be on their side and, and to do what they, they tell them to do. So it's not going to everybody. But that's the thing. Our billionaires, you know, the, the Davos group, they could fix Africa's problems, not overnight, but, but certainly within a few months. But instead, they've allowed countries in Africa to become totally vulnerable to basically made vassals by China. And we've talked about this many times before, but China's there raping their mineral wealth out of those countries far more than the British Empire or the French or or the Germans even in Africa or the Dutch have ever done. But no one's saying anything about it. No one's doing anything about it because China's too big to upset. And it's it's obviously all part of the plan. So they need to sort out those African problems. And again, I apologize, GP, for running on like an eight-day clock, but we've got thousands of migrants coming ashore every week in small boats across the channel. Many of them are actually Albanian. There's no war in Albania, but because there are people displaced by the Arab Spring and this constant movement through North Africa and the, and the Middle East, we've got these people who kind of have a legitimate reason to be refugees, but the rest of them are financial migrants. And although some people would say there is no such thing as the Kalergi plan. Kalergi, way back in the 1920s, said eventually no one will see colour. We will all become a coffee-coloured, multiracial workforce within Europe that will do the bidding of the elite. And that is what is being created. And we are being swamped in the UK by uh, illegal immigration, just the same as you are in the southern states of America. And it will tip the balance so that those individuals that have managed to 
get in, be given accommodation, be given uh, benefits and, and welfare money, will wind up voting eventually. They will become citizens, they'll wind up voting, and they will vote for the people who gave them that, the people who gave them the handout. So that's kind of what's happening here in the UK, just as the same as it's happening in um, in the US. And now I really do want to shut up for a minute. I do have a... Actually, I'll tell you what. Uh, GP, you're very familiar with uh, with uh, South America. You spent a lot of time down there in Central and South America. Yes, I do. You talked about, uh, Marty, you talked about Africa and how uh, a lot of those places down there have become a vassal state. We've been watching what's been going on in Brazil. Uh, GP, I know you spent a lot of time down in Brazil. And I doubt very much, because I know you're busy and everything, I doubt very much you saw what happened down in Brazil with the election this past week, did you? Did somebody make a big profit? Uh, well, kind of. The heavy favorite, uh, the communist, excuse me, the uh, the the, uh, the left-wing candidate, um, <laughs> who was um, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Chinese Communist Party, won election in mm-hmm. the uh, Nordeste region in Brazil, which just so happens to be the region that's run by the by the drug cartels. He lost every other uh, region, but he won that one. Uh, and now he will become mm-hmm. the uh, the next president of Brazil. And he's also been invited cordially by uh, Klaus Schwab mm-hmm. and the uh, World Economic Forum to speak at the uh, at the Davos Group this coming uh, week or two and to announce his plan to the world about what he wants to do with Brazil. Now, again, I, I know you've, you've talked a lot about uh, uh, spending time down there, but... Um, you know, I, I look at, at what's going on down there. The, the Brazilian people, it's been a media blackout. They are not taking any of the stuff laying down. That's a proud nationalistic type of people. And I I honestly, I, I see them fighting back really hard in this one. They came out immediately and said, this is BS and we're not having any of it. They've surrounded, due to the way that the, uh, the Brazilian constitution is, it allows the military to come in and actually audit the elections. And if there's any kind of uh, fraud that takes place, then of course the military can assume control and that new elections will be held. And I, I look at the military down there, at least from the footage that Bruce and I have been reviewing, and they seem loyal to Brazil. They don't seem loyal to an ideology or a party or let alone an international organization. But you've got people in the Senate, such as Bernie Sanders. He sponsored a, a bill in the Senate last week that passed unanimously saying that the United States should cut off all diplomatic relations if any military coup were to take place in the country of Brazil and a new government were to be installed. You spent a lot of time down there. Um, your your opinion of the the people that you know that the population that you interact with down there just I mean, just the average the, people down there they're they're proud people and I don't see them taking that lightly. The, the people may not, but the the key leaders may. Everybody can be bought. It doesn't matter where you are. People are bought, and if you buy the right people, it all goes away. Well, now here's that's interesting. That's interesting that's like in everything. It's just like here. Yeah, that, that's interesting. You know, I, I was bringing up the point last week as that happened. Uh, and by the way, YouTube said that they will ban anybody that denies the legitimate election results in Brazil, <laughs> which right there, that should be the big tell. Uh, but I was talking about how in a lot of these countries like China, uh, Russia, uh, parts of Southeast Asia, Central and South America, Africa, you can, if you get into some trouble, you can buy off the, you know, the whoever, you can buy off the judge, you can buy off the police inspector, whatever, the, the prosecuting attorney, and all of a sudden everything's going to go away and, and you'll be fine. This guy, this guy Lula, he was so corrupt he was so corrupt. He was actually in prison for corruption. He was so corrupt in, in Brazil. He got 15 years for corruption. He couldn't even grease the skids to get out of a prison sentence in Brazil. And then all of a sudden, just like magic, oh goodness, uh, everything's been annulled and he's a free man. And then he becomes the president of Brazil. You've got strange how that happens. Yeah, it's, 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 it's weird, strange. isn't it? But it's really strange. Up. You've got two arguments there, though, haven't you? You've got got two trains of thought. If he couldn't buy his way out in a country where it's relatively easy to bribe your way out of just about anything, then maybe the powers that be didn't want to be bribed by him. They wanted him away because what he was saying was going to damage their, their standing. So it could have been trumped up charges. But at the same time, in countries where the levels of poverty are so much lower. I mean, GP, you've moved from one side of the country to the other. You've seen people who supposedly have nothing that are transients in in the streets in California. Yes. But they still have more 
than the people in Africa, in parts of Southeast Asia. Much um, more. Exactly. They, they, they've got a nice tent. They've got fresh water delivered to them by do-gooders. New they, get new tents. they get new tents. Yeah. They get new, new tents. They get new tents, new iPhones. But the people, the really poor $300 people, a day drug habits. <laughs> exactly. You know, the, the really poor people in parts of South America and in Africa, they're much easier to buy. And I now believe that it's not just countries like South, or sorry, continents like South America and other parts of the world that are so corruptible. I think it's our countries are also very corruptible, but the level of bribe is so much higher. In Africa, you could probably bribe, you know, a whole village for a couple of thousand dollars, but you want to bribe one judge in the US, you're talking six figures. So it's it's a bit. It, it doesn't take that much. Surprisingly, it doesn't take that. Surprisingly, much. It, do, it depends on on <laughs> the does. level of the judge and and the, uh, yes. the visibility of the case in question. Exactly. I suppose. But you know, we we've um I've, I've been in in ports in Africa in East Africa and we have a thing in the navy called the scran bag. So any clothing footwear that's out of place during evening rounds all gets thrown into bags and hidden somewhere so that the officer of the day thinks, you know, everything is tidy and good. And as soon as you got alongside in, in Africa, the scram bags would come out, they'd be taken up to the uh, to the upper deck and we'd exchange them for all kinds of things, even entertainment. We'd get a guy to sing a song and give him a new pair of boots out of the scram bag, stuff like that. That's the kind of level of poverty where it's easy to bribe whole villages, whole towns. And you can just certainly do that in Brazil because there is extreme poverty there. And the, the drug cartels are doing that. Just that you know, it's stick and carrot. Do as we say and, and you'll get a few nice things. Don't do as we say and it's the old Colombian necktie for you, matey. So this election and this guy, maybe he is genuine and, and his... Um, uh, again, I'm I'm just being hypothetical here, but maybe his prison sentence was a trumped-up charge. Who is he supported by? Very good question. Uh, it, he's obviously supported by a sector of society, the the people. And, and uh, is he supported by the U.S.? I mean, who in the U.S. supports him? Who in the you know in your neck of the woods support him? Uh, as far as I'm and that aware, will tell you the level of corruption. It'll tell you the level of corruption. Exactly, it's a really good indicate, indicator as to who is backing, you know, financially backing his campaign. Here in the UK, we have absolutely become the US's lapdog. So we're we're not doing anything for our own country or or our own interest. Everything is all about what our special relationship air quotes. Um, is is demanding of us. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that the UK aren't directly involved in it, and it will be the US because that's where it, that's that's the way it's always been. It's um, civil society 2.0 uh, was the first thing that uh, seeing what was going on there. That was that was my first inclination. Uh, but uh, he's he's supported by Davos to answer your question. The, okay. The Schwab and the great uh, the World Economic Forum. That's who and he's it, supported by. He's a Marxist. He's a Marxist, yeah. yeah. Uh, and but that doesn't matter because a Marxist that you've put into power is still your puppet, whether it's yep. from a capitalist country or a socialist country. That man is still really, somebody's puppet. Are there really any true socialist countries, true capitalist countries, true true fascist companies, true uh, countries? Um, Anywhere, fascist, everything's yeah. just a conglomerate of whatever conglomeration of whatever politics. Who's true fascist? I mean, we're close. United States. Yeah, I was going to say we're pretty we're close. pretty damn close. Spain was for a very long time until Franco reinstated their monarchy and made it a constitutional monarchy and gave it democracy back. But in recent history, you know, the last thirty years or so, no, I I honestly don't know. I don't I don't China? think there are any socialist countries anymore it's all crony capitalism but they use marxist ideologies to control their populations or to control yes. their populaces it's profit everything is profit oriented is any is anything well, major happened recently that's not profit oriented yes 
recently. What? The the rhetoric that we're seeing with the transgenderification, the um, uh, well, really the the sex, the pedophilia, all that stuff that they're teaching our kids and whatnot. That has been a net loss. As an example, look at Disney Plus. Disney lost seven or eight years of profits because of their agendas that they've been pushing. And they continue, they double down and they keep going. They're not gaining any profits in this, and but they're still pushing their agenda. Oh, but don't I'm you think, but, it, but it, you could be taking a loss today for a gain later. Because you know that these pedophilia and all these things that go along with it is a trillion dollar global business. And if they can legalize it, or lower the ages, lower the things, and get it more out there, they can make more money. Maybe it's something that's like right now, because if we get to accept it, like like homosexuality back in the early the fifties was not as accepted as today. It's just a movement to get you to a certain point. It's a distraction. Uh, that that that's all it is. Is it's a distraction, and any losses made, they'll recoup. Because Disney isn't going to. Yeah, Disney is not going to go away. And we we know from from everything that we've looked at, the 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 deep dive into the banks that Ned's done, the the same sort of research that you guys have done tells us that the you know the money's not real. I, I think it, possibly even in our first or second second or third podcast, I even said the banks are empty. There is no such thing as money anymore. So are Disney really concerned that they've had X amount written off their portfolio? No. Or, or lost profit? No, because they're going to recoup it because they've got such oh. a big part of the market. But even they're fooling themselves because eventually when they get us down to the level of population that they really want to get us down to, there's not going to be so many kids watching Disney or, or adults. And that annoys me. That It annoys me just how, how big a share of the market Disney have now got. They're taking over so many franchises and it's all, you know, pay through the nose to see something that you back when it was a, a more free entertainment market and all the different studios would produce stuff, they were at least in competition with each other, which would have put the price of the streaming services down. But it hasn't. They, they can charge pretty much what they want to now. And I, I just want to point out the uh, scenario you, you pose there, uh, GP, that it's just about profit. That's actually a flowery. Uh, that, that's actually a less benign. Uh -oh. uh, and I know that is a minefield of a word. That is a um, lesser. I, I actually uh, put it this way. I, I prefer that. If that's what their goal is, is just profit. That is something that's easier to deal with than the other stuff we're concerned that it is. Well, profit allows debauchery. The greater your profit, the more debauchery you can get into. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. That's true. Look right. at that's Facebook. the situation. That's why they say they care about. Yeah. Look at Facebook. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that, that's what I'm getting at is like that is that is the stuff we've been dealing with for the last like 60, 80 years. That OK, that that's something that that's fine. The other stuff that we're talking about with the Great Reset and basically you own nothing and be happy about it, which they oh. seem to be jumping on board with that nonsense, which is just fascism incarnate uh you know that's that's your autocracy that's your uh, authoritarianism um if that's the thing that they're supporting and on board with that's a that's a whole different ball game but i think that the whole transgender gender dysphoria minor attracted person stuff is all a distraction at the moment it, it's a distraction that's stopping us from actually noticing it's white noise uh, same as the, the climate change protests, same as Black Lives Matter. All of it has just been background noise that has stopped us from actually hearing what is really going on. And at the same time, it normalizes so many of these things because we know that the ultra rich have always gone in for the the more salacious kind of behaviour. We talked about it a while back. Back in the UK's history, we had the Hellfire Club, which was a completely debauched uh, club for, for the rich. Um, you've got these clubs inside uh, the Ivy League universities, which yep. do some really sick things. Got the same sort of... <laughs> yeah. Do. Uh, oh, and what man. was that? That Grove? Bohemian Grove. Bohemian Grove. Yeah. All, all of that kind of stuff. More modern, bringing it right up to date, You've got that island where everyone was flying to have sex with whoever Epstein was providing for them. 
And of mm-hmm. course, all that gathered dirt on those individuals who were engaging in that because they were rich enough and bored enough to do so. Those are the very individuals that have, have gone on to corrupt your government, my government, other governments around the world. That's what it's all, all been about. It is a plan. It's ridiculously a, a ridiculously long plan. But then you've all, all you've got to remember is what I said on the last podcast that it's dynastic it's a dynasty it's the rothschilds it's the rockefellers it's the deep state families that are running this whole thing and of course those kind of plans can take several decades or even a century to come to fruition but as long as the patriarch and it is a patriarch in this case is grooming that word again grooming their their offspring their heirs to follow that plan on, this is what's happening. And we know that the the Rothschilds who own the International Bank of Settlement, the World Bank's IMF and Paul Klaus Schwab's strings have sponsored both sides in every major conflict for the last 250 years. So it's uh, it's hardly surprising that they've come out on top because, uh, you know, that, that you're in a two-horse race and you win no matter which horse crosses the line first. Actually, you were the one that dug this up. Uh, and and yeah, that's it's actually the case. Schwab himself comes from Rothschild money, as in like the, the actual family. It was his mother, I believe, that married into the, uh, the, the Rothschild family. Is that right? Uh, I think his mother was on the Rothschild um, yeah. On the on that line, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. so right. so she was yeah. certainly linked in. To, she was she was some kind of Rothschild, maybe yeah. second cousin twice removed or something. But she is related to that family. Yeah, and, and of course, his father and his grandfather were both physicists, both working for well, the grandfather for for the Nazis and the father, father for for the, father for the um was the father for the Nazis. Father for the Nazis. Okay. Yeah, his grandfather yeah. now. And Schwab himself, when he was at the company that was uh, run by his father at the time, uh, owned and run by his father at the time, when he was at Escher Weiss in Switzerland, which later became Sulzer Agi, he helped develop the uh, the nuclear program for the South African government under apartheid, and the Swiss government helped him cover it up. They knew about it. Yeah. So that's that's even, in my opinion, that's even bigger because you're you're literally admitting that the Swiss government, at least at the highest levels of it, the Swiss intelligence services, if they knew about it and they covered it up, then that means they're not neutral anymore. I mean, we knew that they broke their neutrality under COVID, but it was broken long before that, long, long before that. Speaking of the Rothschilds, did you hear that uh, Evelyn de Rothschild passed away two days ago and that was the head of the Rothschild London Bank? I didn't hear. Um it's it's quite quite a surprise that that news hasn't come out. But no, I I haven't. It was heard a story it. for about a day, can, less than a day actually. Yeah, they're they're keeping a lot of these things very quiet because they they want to appear to be uh, as strong and as frightening to all of us as they ever have been. And those that know, I mean that we we've put it up on the Telegram page, and all anyone's got to do is is do a quick search for Prince Charles as he was at the time and Rothschild, and you can see who is in charge. There's the future King of England being towered over by a very tall Rothschild with his finger being poked into his chest. The body language is all there. The facial expressions tell it all. That's the picture. That tells you who is in charge of the world. But at the same time, and I apologise to Ned in advance because he uncovered this, the the first whisperings of the Great Reset came on King Charles's uh, charities, the Prince's Trust website. So he is in it up to his blue-blooded balls, as far as I can see. He's 100% World Economic Forum, Great Reset. As I explained before, I think he's doing it because he's always been a tree-hugging, animal rights and peace, save the planet kind of guy. Um, What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Pick up some trash. So, yes. you know, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But he's prepared to get on board with these hats because he thinks he's he's doing the right thing, just as the Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion are completely convinced that they're doing the only thing they can do to save the planet. Uh, and, and so I'm kind of cutting him a bit of a break there. He's still 
acting in a very, very anti-UK way by, you know, supporting the WEF and all of these emissions control and all the stuff they talked about in COP27. But he, he believes that's the, the only way. Uh, and so he thinks he's getting something out of it, whereas the rest of us, we're just getting screwed by it. Uh, and it's as simple as that. But that picture paints 10,000 words and says, who's really in charge? And it's the Rothschilds. Simple as that. So let's talk about Facebook for a few minutes because we're uh, we're getting about we're getting close to time here. We've got about 10 minutes left. Marty, you're a fan of uh, a farce book. You are fascist book. <laughs> I keep keep stumbling over my words here. Facebook. Um, book. They've, yeah, they, they've lost about a trillion in uh, in revenue and in value this uh, this past 12 months. And they fired 12,000 yesterday. They're not doing too hot. Uh, but yet the stock market, oh my goodness, we're, we're doing record gains. Bruce, did you see that we're about to crack 35,000 on the Dow? Yeah, I've seen there was a, another rally today. Yeah, mm. yeah, rally today. They, they fired, mm. the Citibank fired most of their Wall Street people yesterday. Facebook fired 11,000 this morning, uh, or yesterday morning, sorry. And was it Twitter? Uh, well, Twitter's laying off, laying off a whole bunch. They just closed down their uh, their African uh, division completely. Uh, that was just uh, that was just mentioned. But I've got the leaked footage of Zuckerberg sending out the farewell notice to his employees. Would you like to see it or hear it rather? I would. Yes, please. Okay. I'd like to hear it. That'd be great. Feeling. I mean, I know that there's there must be just a, a range of, of of different emotions. Um, I want to say you know, up front, uh, that I take full responsibility for this decision. Um, you know, I'm the founder and CEO. I'm uh, responsible for, for the health of our, our company, um, for our direction, um, and for, for deciding you know, how we execute that, including things like this. And this was ultimately my call. Um, and it was, it was, you know, one of the hardest calls that I've, I've had to make in, in, in the 18 years of running the company. Um, and a lot of why it's hard is, you know, obviously it, it has a big impact on on your lives. Um, but also, you know, for our mission, we're, we're losing people um, who you know, you've really put your your heart and soul into this place. And you know, each of you is is talented and, and passionate. And um, you know, each of you has played a role in making uh, Meta the success that, that it is. And um, you know, no matter what team. Uh, you may have worked on. Um, you know, each of you played a role in in contributing to the products that billions of people use to connect every day. Can you hear the the, the sadness in his voice? It's, it's it's like he was getting just choked up, and he was about to just burst out into tears right there. Each of you played a role in censoring election information. Each agree? of you played That's a role. It's censoring. Yeah, I think it's a pile agree. of cash to wipe away the tears. So it, it helps. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's a green screen behind him, and there's there's a guy in in a complete green bodysuit with a pistol to the back of his head. Um, <laughs> uh, look, I don't give a fat rat's ass about anyone who works for Meta. Um, if eleven thousand of them are now unemployed, oh dear, how sad. Never mind. They're all woke ass hats. End of chat. That's what they are. And these are the people that are welcoming and aiding and abetting the Davos group, bringing in this great reset, this, this change to Marxist control of populations whilst the elite still get to lord it over us as they slowly whittle us down. Why is it that people who have never made uh, or grown something that someone can use or eat are so willing to force people everyone down a socialist path, down a communist path, down a Marxist path. I'll tell you why it is, because they're hoping for free handouts of money and food while they indulge themselves in what amounts to no more than, than a hobby that is their career. Artists, musicians. I love art. I love music. I love entertainment. I love the theatre. But they, those people are always the first to be speaking out along these Marxist, communist ideas. And Zuckerberg is 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 just a greedy bastard, end, end of story. And I, I would actually welcome Facebook completely folding immediately as long as Twitter and TikTok and Instagram 
and all the other social medias went with them at the same time. I really couldn't give a shit about 11,000 woke hats losing their jobs. And I imagine it's going to be more than that. If I had to, to surmise, uh, I think this is just the first round uh, of firings. A company losing that much in 12 months, you're not just going to cut 11,000. You're going to cut more than that. Uh, I'm assuming that that's what they're going to do. GP, that's a big loss. I mean, you're, you're, you're a business guy. That's a big loss for a company. Do you think that's going to affect them? You think they're going to cut more losing that much revenue? It depends. Well, I don't know the strength and I don't know their their how deep their pockets are. We, we don't I don't know. So this could just be just like one of those tobacco fines. You know, it, it may not be as big as you think. That's we true. don't know where it goes. Yeah. You, you got to compare it to what are we comparing it to? Well, I mean, a trillion you know, dollars. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, 11,000 people. Yeah. That, that's in a single day. You know, that's that's quite a bit. And Marty, you talked well, about uh, one day on. or seven years. I mean, what's really you know, what's really the yeah. difference? Yeah, that's no, you're right. No, that, that, no, I'll, I'll go with that. You're right. Marty, you talked about these these uh, woke little uh, things that work for that company and you couldn't give <laughs> a, a rat's backside. OK, fine, fine. I, I'll, I'll actually double down on that. I will go further and say it's the institutions. They've all come through the institutions. They've been programmed. And quite frankly, from Zuckerberg to Gates and, and everybody else at that level all the way down, and I'm not bashing everybody that has gone to university. I'm not doing that because I've been there myself. The reality of it is with these people is they're unemployable. That's what it is. They are literally unemployable. They don't have any skills other than what you said, their hobby, their activists, they're artists, they're whatever. That's their skill. They don't have any connection to the real world. They've been programmed in these institutions to think they need to control anybody else that doesn't think that way. So in my opinion, they are unemployable. They have no skills that are applicable to the real world that the rest of us live in. And so therefore- I have they, to interject. Okay, I go ahead, interject. please. please. They yeah, have skills. They can dig ditches. They can pick up trash. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They true. have skills. Okay. They right. can pick up trash. I'll, I'll see to that. Yes, they can. I mean, do what, what do they put on their on their CVs or, or their resumes for, for our American listeners? What do they put on there? I get offended really easily. I can identify the way right wing people think and therefore block them. You know, is that that's pretty? How is that? How have he? How has he even got eleven thousand people? Was he actually? What type of people were fired? Do we know what type of people were fired? Was it eleven thousand programmers or was it eleven thousand media? You know influencers what are the eleven thousand people yeah what well, what do they do what do they if it's eleven thousand programmers that's kind of a big deal eleven thousand programmers that's that's kind of huge eleven thousand media influencers not so much look you've got the ability let's say you're a programmer and you've got the ability to write some code that could save energy save time that could make things faster make things better but what do they do they write code so that people can see people doing stupid dances, dangerous challenges, which sometimes end in death or suicide, live streamed. You know, the, you know that the, makes the, it worth it. Well, they're wasting their lives, quite frankly. They're not making or doing anything that is really. Are you saying entertainment has no value? This isn't entertainment. This is something that is shortening the, the attention span of our young people and possibly myself included, it's taking up too much of people's time. The phones actually work out how many times you pick it up and look at it. All that data is being fed back. And that's what they're they're making there. To lose a trillion, they had to make at least a couple of trillion in the first place. So maybe... A trillion or is it a tax trillion? Well, there you go, because he, he won't be paying any tax with the, with the losses of a trillion, will he? Hey. So uh, a quick thought for you guys, kind of a, um, I have no proof to this, but. It, it I know, I was wondering if chickens had lips and they really don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the people that were fired. Yes. Facebook hires a lot of contractors and the contractors are the ones that they use. It's it, their third party evaluation teams for, uh, you know, they go through and, and uh, uh, verify whether you're opposed. They're moderators, basically. Right. They, they contract uh -huh. that work. What if the 11,000 that they just fired were all those contractors? The reason they fired them is they got their A.I. done now. 
the AI can do all the stuff the contractors yeah. were doing. That's a good possibility. That's the things we don't we don't know. We have to put those that into consideration, yeah. especially with a big corporation like Facebook. And of course, they could be transhumans uh, and actually acting not only as a moderator uh, and a programmer, sort of multitasking, but also acting as a server if they've got enough chips inside them. Maybe um, he's <laughs> cutting that down as well. But I, I just cannot get sympathetic about Zuckerberg and his company. It's, have you it's guys one of the to work places, you know? Well, let's, let's have to take work a look. Places. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a look at what a day in the life of some of these companies are like. Bruce and I played this a couple of weeks ago. This is it. I don't know if you guys know this, but all these tech companies, whether it's Facebook, whether it's Google, Twitter, the, I mean, obviously things are changing because Musk has is, is taken over over there. But before Musk took over, this is a day in the life of a Twitter employee. And I want you guys to see this. this. This is not a joke. This is not satire. This is an actual day in the life of a Twitter employee. I don't even know what to say to this, but this is a real thing. Again, it's not parody. Listen. Welcome to a day in my life as a Twitter employee. So this past week, went to SF for the first time at a Twitter office, badged in. Honestly, took a moment to just soak everything in. What a blessing. Also started my morning off with an iced matcha from the perch. Then I had a meeting so quickly scheduled one of these little pod rooms which were so cool they're literally noise canceling took my meeting got ready for lunch look how delicious this food looks oh my goodness i was so overwhelmed then made my way down to this log cabin area i don't know what this is but it was really cool played some foosball with my friends to kind of unwind a bit um also found this really cool meditation room that i thought was super neat um i didn't do any yoga but they have this yoga room if you are a yogi so also thought that was really cool um had a couple more meetings in the afternoon had a ton of projects that we needed to knock out say hey to my teammates um went to the went to the library to kind of get some more work done obviously had to have our afternoon coffee so made some espresso and then before leaving for the day had some red wine um that's on tap went up to the rooftop and just honestly enjoyed the beautiful weather so awesome trip these are the kind of employees that got fired uh, marty i can tell you were just soaking it all in what'd you think oh yeah i mean a her voice irritated you know the, the living chisel out of me that coffee there are, yeah the the the, the her afternoon coffee <laughs> Had to be decaf because if uh, if that individual ever came into contact with some caffeine, um, I think her whole demeanour would change. And and I don't believe that was red wine for for a moment. That was probably some kind of well, it's American um, red wine. It's American red wine, which means it's just water with a little bit of food coloring in it. Unless you're from California, yeah, gra grape juice basically. Uh <laughs> You see, I'm not jealous. I really am not jealous because I would not want to be the waste of space that those individuals are. They are basically a waste of skin and breath, and they produce you see what I mean. Nothing. They're unemployable. They're unemployable. But, but they no, are employable because there's GP. a vast population of children and sub-adults. And some adults sub also. Sub-adults. 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 Yes, sub-adults. That That is their... That's their release. You know, some people drink alcohol, some people smoke pot, some people yeah, but drive office, fast cars. Like I'm playing but that's their entertainment. At the office, I'm getting served pheasant under glass for lunch because I've Have had a you stressful been, day. Okay, when you go, yeah, but you don't know what kind of days. They, they, that's that one day. But you don't know what's happened that week before. I've been in the programmer's life, and I will tell you, these people lose their minds for long periods of time while they're trying to get some project done. You know, you're writing, you know, lines of codes up to your yin-yang, you know, and you need to unwind. You need to get out of there. Okay, all right. Yeah, and Bruce those are some of those nice distractions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they need those distractions. And that happens to be the distractions of the current generation's mindset. Those are those little those distractions that are needed. In our days, it was, you know, go to the gym, go run around the building, go have an afternoon drink, whatever it was. That's what we did. But now this generation, this is what they do. They need multiple distractions that only last a short period of time. And then they go back to work. And when they, you do see them work, they're busting their butt. 
But they've got such a short attention span. That's the problem. They do. They do. Very uh, short. But when they're working, it's they don't want to be bothered. They don't want you to talk to them. They don't want anybody just disturbing them while fine, they're working. I wouldn't want to talk to them, quite frankly. <laughs> I, 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 you can I'd, tell he's I'd not an office be, guy. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be at the foosball. He's not an office guy. Yeah. I've worked in offices. My, my, name, my name was Hey Google in the office because yes, I know I, a lot of things. Yeah, that and is people, true. That is true. I know. I heard in, you calling back, in to talk radio while you were working. Yes, I heard I heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did that quite a lot. I don't do it anymore because uh, life's too short. Now, the, these individuals... Yes, writing codes, writing a really good computer game, writing a really good app that is worthwhile and and actually enriches people. Social media doesn't do that. Social media is the thief of time and it is giving us smaller and smaller attention spans and it's allowing us to be led down paths that really are no good for us. And it's that influence that social media has that prevents me from having any sympathy for those 11,000 trans humans that are about to lose their jobs or have lost their jobs. And I, I would be quite happy if it all just stopped. My, I, tr- I told you I tried to um, close my Twitter account, but uh, I couldn't do it because I couldn't remember the password, damn it. So I, I couldn't even do that immediately. I'll have to work out what the password is and, and uh, deactivate it as soon I as possible. I think it's uh, F these little twats. Uh, it could Try have been that. that. All, the other thing uppercase. is, <laughs> the other thing, and, and this is this is really, really unfair of me because it's just the guy's name. But the word musk normally relates to a strong, heavy odor or scent which is normally uh, associated with a scrotum or testicles. Uh, and every time every time I hear Elon Musk, uh, that's all I think of. I just think he's a bad smell. I don't think he's the superhero we all think he is. He is just someone. The way Tesla and, and their ridiculous cars, which I spit at every time I see, are using these lithium batteries. They are not ecologically sound. They are actually a bigger damage to the environment than uh petrol and diesel cars and i don't think he sometimes mm, no come on the the electricity still got to be generated somehow there's all the open cast mining to get the lithium batteries let's get some thorium nuclear reactors out there and we can end this all right now or all of all of we that. could actually we could actually use the uh, initiative that your state started 20 years ago called hydrogen fuel stations, and we can put that yes. forth. I mean, I've been a fan of that, but you said the problem. I'm out a huge there is, fan. Yeah, you said the problem out there is is you pull into the hydrogen stations. There's no hydrogen. They just don't keep it full. Right. They don't. That's By the, the way, Mr. Musk, you can't sue me because I've got the square root of sweet Fanny Adams. And with that, we are going to have to call it quits. But uh, it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation, gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. Pick us some yes. trash. Yes. I was going to ask GP what his final thought was, but he just gave it. But uh, I'll ask him again here in just a second. Marty, you got any final thoughts? Uh, No. No. I'm all, I'm all talked out. I've talked far too much again. And I, I, I apologize because I'm English for doing so. No, it's all good because I got confused we, uh, with my lack of attention span. Yes, being uh, American. GP just yeah, GP when he's not on a podcast with us, he's spending his time as a uh, TikTok influencer. GP, do you have any you final thoughts you'd like dance. to impart? Yeah. Pick up two pieces of trash. <laughs> two pieces of trash. That's actually that's that's what a lot of GP's TikTok videos are on is picking up pieces of trash. Yeah, Bruce, do you have any final thoughts? Not really. Just government's bad. I think we kind of covered that one fair enough. well today. Yeah, that's fair enough. All right, we are going to call this one done, and it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation, gentlemen. I will see you next week, Marty, and hopefully GP, depending on what his schedule looks like, but we can talk about that offline. For those of you who'd like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. You know someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Gentlemen, thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great weekend and we will see you on Monday.